0: Hey friends, this is Caitlin, and I'm so grateful you've decided to join me on the Comeback Couch. So, kick off your shoes, put up your feet, and get comfortable with real stories that have shaped real people. You'll hear from doctors, lawyers, mechanics, and moms who shared their experiences of hope, healing, and holding on when it would have been so much easier to give up. Occasionally, you'll hear a story, a teaching, or a quick thought from me. I hope you'll curl up with a cup of coffee. And stay a while as we sit on the comeback couch and learn a little more about life and the hope we can find when we look close enough. Hey, just want to give you guys a heads up. I know we do this pretty often, but I like to let you know about some of the topics we are going to discuss in an episode, just in case you have little ears that don't need to listen, or if one of these topics stirs something up that you are not ready to deal with yet. Um, So today we will be talking with our guest about some pretty deep things. Um, We'll be talking about addiction, eating disorders, abuse, uh, church hurt, divorce. Um, So if any of those topics are something you might just need to wait on, or like I said, little ears are listening, um, and maybe you want to listen to the episode first. Just wanted you guys to know, but this is an incredible episode with an incredible guest. Um, I think that people are going to listen and be set free. So um, I hope you do enjoy the show if you're able to listen, and I'm confident that God is going to use it. All right. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Comeback Couch. We have maybe like the most energetic, electric, but deep guest we've ever had. I'm going to say that. I'm going to go with that. I like electric. I really yeah, really did. You, that's it. Tony Collier is here with us, and um you probably know her. If you don't, you'll know her after this, but she's an author, a mom, a wife, a pastor, a speaker, a podcast host. She does it all, and she looks good doing it, and she has fun doing it. So, hey. Hey. We out here, dang it. Okay? that's We out mean. here. We are out here. We got the baby napping. We got one at school. We made it work. We, we did
1: make it work, y'all. You need to know that we pressed our way here. And that means that this
0: conversation is going to be great. So lean on in. Lean on Amen. in. Amen. Amen. Um, Tony. Okay, wait. First, I have to tell you this. I meant to text okay. you this, but my child got, you know, 750 boxes of crayons in his Easter baskets from all the grandma's of course. And there was one like laying by the Keurig and he broke the top off of it. And I was like, I'm going to throw this crayon away. It's broken. And I swear to you, I was uh-uh. like, uh-uh, broken crayon, still color. It's still going to work. I'm not throwing it away. And I thought of you. So I just had to tell you that. And you're welcome. Okay.
1: We're not wasting <laughs> any crayons out here and God is not either. Okay.
0: That is right. Okay. So tell everybody if they don't know what broken crayon, still color is, I'm brave enough to be broken. Tell us about all your things. Man, I get
1: the really cool, crazy honor to have founded a women's organization called Broken Crayons Still Color. We just help women heal, like, we just come alongside women. And we say, here are these resources and here are these devotionals and here's some community focus groups that can kind of help you heal. Like the healing journey is gruesome. It's painful. It's ratchet at times. It's not linear. And I just think that the best way for us to heal is to do it in community. And sometimes people don't have that. And so we want to be that for women. And so I get to lead over that. Then I have a book that I got to write. Called Brave Enough to Be Broken. And it's just that the, the subline is real raunchy. It's a how to embrace pain and discover hope and healing in it. And everyone's like, okay, I don't want to embrace pain. It's like, well, you have to. Okay? <laughs> um, And so I got to write about that and put together kind of a biblical roadmap to healing via a book. And so, yeah, I live here with my babies and we're just doing the best that we can out here, bopping around. And that's it.
0: Bopping around in Atlanta, just living, just living it up, you know? Okay. So these things, they all sound great. And people are like, Oh my goodness. She's like got it together. She's beautiful. But these were born out of your brokenness and your story. And you have truly like such a powerful comeback story. Like it really is anytime you, and you bring it up so often, which I love, like, Hey, everybody reminder, this is where I started. And every time you do, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I only know you now, but like, You went through it and I mean, you really did. So, I mean, just, just start wherever you feel like starting, but please, please tell the people like, here's how I came back and here's how God found me.
1: Yeah. Well, Caitlin, I love that you highlighted the fact that I keep bringing it up because it could be Mm -hmm. very easy for me to be like, no, God has redeemed me. I didn't came back on these boys and I want to show you all the glorious things that I'm doing. But the truth is, I just think that when we keep our brokenness on the forefront, whether it's the brokenness that happened now or in the past, God just becomes bigger. Like when I keep Mm. saying to people, I went through this and I went through that and I went through this, but God, and they see this like kind of packaged person, this whole package deal. They're like, shoot, if God can do it through her ratchet behind, he can do it through me too. (laughs) I just think God becomes bigger when we just keep our comeback. He does. He just does. So like there's a lot of brokenness in my story. Um, I started off when I was just a little girl, we were a blended family. My mom had a massive stroke. It totally wrecked our entire family dynamic. Our family kind of split up. My brothers went to go live with their moms and my dad went overtime at work. And so there was just a little me at eight years old. I'd become a caregiver for my mom. I was helping her get to doctor's appointments. I got my license like at 12 called a hardship license in Texas. I was taking her to wow. doctor's appointments and helping her refill her little medicine uh, buckets and caring for my mom. I was there when she had strokes. I was there when she had seizures, keeping her alive. I fed her. I changed her. I cleaned her, all this stuff. And so I missed out on a lot of childhood. And what happened with that is there was, you know, no adults around to help me process all these big emotions. And so I chose to numb them. So when I was 13, I was unfortunately sexually manipulated by an older guy, lost my virginity at 13, started drinking, smoking. He introduced me to weed and drugs and partying and sneaking out the house when I was just 13 and 14 and 15 years old and ended up leaving my parents' house at 16, putting myself through college and just numbing, like so much drugs, so much party and whole bunch of sex, a lot of sex. I did a soul tie (laughs) ceremony one time. And I mean, my little page for the Soul Ties was just so long. I was like, you guys head on to dinner. I still have some people that I need to break up off me. You got to break these ties with. I I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot of my past. Okay. And so just, I mean, numbing, right? Like in so much pain, battling with anxiety and not knowing it. I also had this performer's heart, right? Like I wanted to make my dad real Mm -hmm. proud. He wasn't always around and he was just working so much and ended up suffering with bulimia and eating disorder trying to look cute and skinny, wanting to show up for everybody. And then I was like, I'm going to clean my life up and I'm going to be a lawyer and it's going to be amazing. But I met this guy and I'm super insecure. And after three months, I moved from Texas to Georgia with him, ended up being a very toxic situation, found myself in a marriage that was abusive and had a little girl in that started going to church thinking that, you know, my life's going to turn around. And it did not. I ended up at a spiritually abusive church with a crazy narcissistic pastor, Lord Jesus, I will never forget that, that was real ratchet. And then I just hit rock bottom, you know, after all the pain and abuse and doing ministry life wrong and decided to get a divorce, transition out of this really toxic church and lost all of my community in Georgia. And so Mm. I was a single mom trying to get my life together, living with another single mom, eating, eating, drinking coffee for breakfast and lunch, I mean, on WIC and food stamps and financial assistance, and it was tough. And then God just showed up when I thought that he could not use my story anymore, that I was just too broken. I had gone through too much. I mean, I even tried church. It didn't work. He was like, I still want to use you. Like, this is actually the the catalytic moment that Mm -hmm. is going to be the force behind everything you do. And so I started going back to church, found a healthy church. And here I am now, freaking author, podcaster. I'm still shocked. I wake up every morning. I'm like, Lord, don't let me mess this up, baby, because I'm crazy. And, <laughs> and there you go.
0: Wow. I mean, wow. There you go, girls. <laughs> like there you go, girls. Um, First of all, I did not know the part about your mom mm-hmm. taking care of your mom at eight years old. And, like, mm-hmm. I actually can't wait to tell my mom to listen to this episode because she, um, ha- like, has a lot of similarities in your story. Yep. Her mom mm-hmm. also had a stroke. She was older than eight years old. But she mm-hmm. had to care for her mother because her dad was a truck driver and he was always gone. Yes. Um, oh gosh, And right. before that, her mother was, like, very promiscuous. And so, like, oh, she yeah, lived yeah. that life and then she had to, like, take care of her. So. Take care of her and promiscuous I mom. And you take care for promiscuous mama, and I know there are so many people listening who have had to be caretakers for their parents, or have lived lived in some kind of brokenness that then led them into that yep. lifestyle that you're talking about. Yep. And I guess the 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 point of all of that is like, listen, if you hear this today and you think that you're discarded and God can't use you, Uh-oh. He can. He can. Surprise! Surprise! Surprise. Okay. So how old were you when, and how old was Dylan, your daughter, when you got divorced? She was one. Um, I remember seeing
1: fear in her eyes for the first time because of all the arguing mm-hmm. and yelling and doors ripped off the hinges, holes punched in the walls. And it's interesting because oftentimes it's really difficult for us to get out of toxic situations because we actually don't believe that we deserve better. And that was me. Like, I was so insecure already. I was like, this is as good as it gets. I wasn't exposed to anything else. I mean, this is it. You know, my dad growing up, unfortunately, was, you know, a little verbally abusive. And so I'm like, this is just it. You just get cursed out. You get yelled at. It is what it is. And it wasn't until I started getting around just a few people that were living a very different and healthier lifestyle that I realized, like, oh, wait a minute now. I don't think this is normal. (laughs) Okay. I don't think this is normal. And I still, even though I saw it, I still didn't think that I was worthy of more, but I had a daughter and mm. the belief and the confidence that I really stood on was that she deserved to have a better life. Yes. And if, if for any reason at all, I think I could muster up some confidence in myself and some confidence in God really that he can bring me out of this situation and it's going to be hard and messy. it was stupid for a while there because I was a single mom and it was just crazy. I had to rely on my parents for a whole bunch of help. I was 25 and ashamed and embarrassed that I had to, you know, have my mom and dad help me. And, but I did it. And, um, that was kind of the moment when everything turned around
0: for me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So take us to your divorced and yeah, you feel like maybe I'll never be married again. Maybe this is just it. Okay. I'm a single mom and I'll take yeah. care of Dylan. But take us to the moment where that changed and you did find love again and you found Sam. Oh,
1: gosh. It was crazy because I didn't even, I mean, yeah, there was this looming, you know, stigma of like, oh, you're, you have a daughter, you got a baby daddy and ain't nobody gonna want you. Like, of course, you know? And I just that wasn't even it for me. For me, I was just like, I want to be single for the rest of my life. Like, I'm done with these whippersnappers. I hadn't been through my fair share of men, like- they all the same. It is what it is. And I just, I, I just wanted to like have a job and I wanted to have a career and I wanted to take care of yeah. my daughter. I had these dreams of like getting our own place and, you know, just like showing her that you can do it. And I ended up at this meeting because I was jobless. And it was like this consultant meeting. Someone had asked me to come and brainstorm with them about this idea that they had for like a church for young adults. And so I go to this meeting and I'm like mapping everything out and I'm doing this presentation. And the guy that had hired me, uh, invited my now husband, Sam to this meeting. And Sam's like texting the guy, like, who is this girl? He's like the idea not into it, but I'm into her at the time. No one really knew (laughs) that I was walking through separation and divorce. And so my friend was like, Oh no, bro. Like she's married. She's got a kid like lay off. And so there was almost just like a missed, uh, you know, opportunity there uh, because no one knew. And I ended up having to post on social media that I was divorced because um, my ex-husband was started to date really quickly and be on dating apps and all the things. And people were like, Hey, what's going on here? And um, I posted on it and lo and behold, Sam was like, baby, like you want to go out? I know you uh, are fresh off the divorce situation, but I just would really love to to take you out. And I was super hesitant at first. I mean, I was just freshly divorced. I wanted to take some time off of just life and rebuild, you know, and I had this daughter and I had to actually send her to my parents for the summer so that I can kind of get my life together and find a place for us. And uh, so I was like, this is what am I do? Why would I be dating? What's going on? And so I told my mom and my best friends and they're like, girl, you better go on a date. You deserve that girl. Go on a date. <laughs> I go on this date. It ends up being six hours. We're talking. It's wow. so long that our waitress changes because her shift ends and another waitress comes in. I mean, it is <laughs> oh my like goodness crazy. And God sent me, Sam, this like very assertive, aggressive man who was like, I think you're supposed to be my wife. Like, I'm not, I'm dating a Mary out here. And I was like, brother, do you know how much baggage I had? And he's like, absolutely. And I want to carry it all. And it was just yeah. a God, it was like, I had this woman told me one time that Sam was sent into my life to show me that God was like, this is what real love looks like. Uh, Someone that cares for you, goes after you, that, that you don't have to care for. Um, Because I've been a caregiver my whole life. And so, yeah, now I'm married. Shoot, he fine. We didn't have a little baby. <laughs> So obviously he fine, you know what I'm saying? And so my story has been redeemed a lot through him.
0: And it's, it's really been amazing. Oh, it really is beautiful. And I just got chills when you said, he was like, yeah. And I want to carry all the baggage. And I think that there's someone listening that maybe that changed everything for them because they think, no, really, I have so much baggage. Nobody wants this. And someone, A, someone does, but like B, God does, like he can carry the baggage, he like for real can. He for real can. And he for real can redeem your life. Like there are so, so many people hurting and walking through hurt and walking through stories that have led them to shame. But it's like, that is not from God. That shame is not from God. Oh, no. And your story is not over. Like your comeback's coming. You just have to keep going. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's interesting
1: because, you know, pain is blinding. Right. Like, I mean, when we are experiencing deep pain and sorrow and grief, like it, it not only takes energy away from you, but it also takes like your ability to see and your ability to hope that there really is anything on the other side. And maybe we're not even asking people to hope for better when they're in pain and grief Mm. and loss. Maybe we're just asking them to hold on to just like bloody knuckle, be like, I ain't going nowhere and I'm gonna ride this mug out, even though I don't see the other side, even though I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I'm just gonna press it. I'm gonna sink my teeth into this season because I know that hope is on the other side even when I can't see it. And that's what I think I did because it was sucky. Let me just tell you that. This, mm-hmm. It wasn't just a little, oh, I didn't got a man now and everything is great. I had some work to do. I had some healing to do. Yeah. And I really, in some ways- Brought like baggage that I didn't want to tend to into this next relationship, into this next marriage in ways that really crushed us, like because I just I was like, oh, it's like a new thing. Like, oh, yeah, new wine skins, like here we go. everything's gonna be totally fine. And that's just not that's not it. like we we get into new situations because we heal our way into them. And mm-hmm. hope is really about us healing our way into the next
0: season. And so it it took some time, baby, but we out here, you know? That's, that's the exact next question I was about to ask was just like, what, what kind of trauma did you see, like come up as you enter in this new marriage? Because again, people can be like, Oh, she, yep. She found this man yep. and they love each other. And those are all true things, but that does not mean that you did not have to work so hard yeah for healing and for reconciliation.
1: Oh yeah. So I, I can list them suckers off to you because I went through counseling for so long. But the first one was deep chronic insecurity. Um mm-hmm. when I signed up for counseling and I told the um counselor all of my business and I was just like unpacking it. And she was like, well, first of all, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I am. And she's like, well, actually you're not. Okay. What's happening is your body <laughs> is in survival mode. And so yep. you've done everything you can to hold the bottom in. And I just want you to know that as you go on this healing journey, the bottom's getting ready to fall out. And mm. but, but she said, before you can dive into PTSD from being sexually manipulated and fondled with as a little girl by cousins, by this older guy mm. when I was 13, before you can dive into the verbal abuse from your dad and uh, parentified child syndrome, which is when you grow up too fast, the, the parent yes. and kind of switch roles, before you can dive into any of this, you've got to have enough security and belief that you're worthy to heal, that, that God actually wow. has a plan. Because if not, what will happen is we'll be doing all these strategies and we'll you'll be doing homework and counseling and you'll learn all these new things, but you it, it won't stick. You actually, it'll just kind of fall. Like there's no bottom. We got to close the bottom to your heart. And that was hard. It was just, I didn't realize I was insecure. First of all, I'm like, first of all, I think I'm cute. Okay. And <laughs> I have all these talents and I'm super confident and I'm extroverted, but that's yeah. not That doesn't mean anything at all. I was insecure because one, I didn't believe that there was a God that loved me. And so then Mm -hmm. I worshiped a pastor instead of a savior. I worshiped a husband instead of a savior, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I burnt myself out in ministry, all the things because I didn't think I was worthy of rest. I mean, insecurity is just tethered to so much. And so that was a super huge one. I also had some sleep issues from PTSD and a severe anxiety. So I had to go through like sleep training, sleep Mm. apnea all this stuff. Um, I had to get over uh, being tempted to go back into the eating disorder to kind of control my body. Um, I was either like not eating at all, or I was overeating and throwing up. And so then I had to kind of address that, which was also tethered to insecurity. I did some EMDR, some trauma treatment on my Mm -hmm. relationship with my dad still doing some with my mom right now, but also like with sex and what that meant to me and my body and how it had been abused in so many ways. I mean, y'all, the list goes on, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: So yeah, all those things. I am such a big fan of EMDR, by the way. And if you're listening, you don't know what that is. It's it's a counseling technique. You should look it up. It is, Look it up. the first time I did it, I just sobbed. And I did it oh, over something like, as you do like, real silly, like real silly, like not very deep. And I oh. sobbed, and I was like, this is so stupid. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it it is, it is really healing. Um, here's, here's what I would describe EMDR
1: as just for like the people that's like, mm-hmm. one, it's essentially like if your life is a bookshelf and your story's being told from left to right. And it's like chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, however old you are. Trauma comes into your story, something really painful, traumatic, and it's almost like a book gets pulled out just a little bit. And so now your story Mm. is being told and lived through this riff. EMDR goes back and pushes the book in. It levels out the story so that I can be told from a healthier place.
0: Go and do it. Okay. Thank you. That is the best way to describe it. I will forever use that to describe it and mm-hmm. and if you're listening, it's like I don't know how you did it because I don't know if people do it differently, but like yeah. I held the two little things and mm-hmm. they would buzz. It's like a sensory like little yeah. vibration. so many things when you you're talking through it. memories, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's so it's like
0: a sensory activity, but it's based on memories. but that is the literal perfect way to describe it because you're yeah. living with that riff. You just gotta push that little book back in. Push her back in there. Bye girl. Just push her back in there. (laughs) Ah, I love that. Hey guys, this is Caitlin popping in for just a second to tell you about sponsor Harp and Timbrel. They are a super cool Alabama based company ran by a husband and wife team. They specialize in custom products to celebrate all of life's special moments from baby hospital signs to larger signs for rooms and nurseries and even milestone cards and little ornaments. I had one on my Christmas tree this year. They create each design to fit your unique need. And they are offering an exclusive discount to listeners of The Comeback Couch. That's you. You can get 15% off your first order with code COMEBACK15. That's C-O-M-E-B-A-C-K-1-5. You can go to harpintimbrel.com and their Etsy shop. You can even join their newsletter for additional discounts and promotions. And we want to tell you about another company making a huge impact. They are the sponsor of this episode, episode 20, Libertus Financial Advisors. They are focused on building wealth and creating legacy. Libertus means freedom in Latin, and that is exactly what the team at Libertas Financial Advisors wants to help you accomplish. They're a full-service financial and wealth management firm. They begin with a personalized plan to assess what you have and fill in the gaps to move you closer to your ultimate goal. You know, finances, uh, 401k, all of those things. They're not fun to talk about, but they're something we need to talk about and something that uh, most of us neglect. So this might be your sign to contact Libertas. Whether it's creating a financial roadmap for your children, positioning you for retirement, these advisors work with the top rated carriers and custodians in the whole industry to find just the right fit for you and your family. They also have exclusive access to a proprietary suite of products and services with some of the most competitive rates available in today's market. So hopefully they can save you some money too. This boutique wealth management firm serves clients in all 50 states, amazing, so you can give them a call or check them out online at libertusfinancialadvisors.com today to talk more about protecting what matters. We'll have that in the show notes for you so that you can go check them out and give them a call. Okay, so how have you seen like your comeback story affect your daughter? And and as you're seeing it like through her her eyes and she lived it with you. So how have you... How have you seen it affect her, but how have you seen it help her grow into a confident woman? Yeah. For the
1: mamas out there, what you need to know is whether you think you're hiding your trauma or not from your kids, you leak and Mm -hmm. they're affected generationally. I mean, just like scientifically, biologically, like as women, when we are in our mother's womb, we have all of our eggs. Meaning when my mom was pregnant with me, Dylan was in my body, right? Mm, Yeah. mom went through while she was pregnant with me trickled into me, into Dylan. Like, this is just how this works. And so lots of ways. I mean, when you heal yourself, what you essentially do is you plug up the holes to all the places that you could potentially leak. That's what's going on on other people for Dylan. I mean, this is just a story right here. Maybe about two months ago, we were on mommy daughter day and it's something that I've been super intentional about. And we're talking about heaven. Like we're just talking about heaven and like what's in heaven, what's gonna be in heaven, all the different things. And she was like, I really wanna to get to heaven. And I say, well, you know, there's only really one way to get to heaven. Like you've gotta accept Jesus. You've gotta accept, have, you know, experience salvation. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's what we do every church, every Sunday at church and et cetera. And she was like, oh, I'm gonna do it this Sunday. And I said, sis, listen, you can do it right now if you just really want to. Mm-hmm. And so my daughter received salvation in the car on the way to mommy daughter date with me. Mm. But what was interesting are the words that I told her. I had her close her eyes and she put her little hand over her her heart. And I said, okay, repeat after me, Lord, you love me no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I choked up when I said that to her, because I don't think that without healing, I would have believed that for myself. So five years ago, if my daughter would have decided to get saved in the car with me, I probably would have said something like, "God, you're really good and you're so amazing, and you you probably aren't part of all my decisions, but you still kind of love me," you <laughs> know. Like, and mm-hmm. she would be very broken, fragmented prayer that came from such a place of shame. But because I decided to heal. We fast forward and I'm preaching to my daughter and inviting her into this lovely relationship with God that I'm, I now know from a place of not only holiness, but wholeness. I, I get to, to tell her yeah. about a God who's not at the end of the tunnel saying, clean all your stuff up and I'll be down here waiting for you, but but the God that lights up the way through the tunnel. Yeah, And she's going to have a different, beautiful, pure, true relationship with God Because of the work that I've done. I mean, it's just, Mm. and I'm not perfect. Like I popped off on her like two weeks ago and I was like, dang it. I just am so (laughs) reactive. I gotta work on that. And I go to my counselor and I'm like, please, like I need to figure out why I'm so reactive when she does things behind my back. For me, it's deep, deeply rooted betrayal. My body's been betrayed. My heart's been betrayed. Marriage, I've been betrayed. And so when someone betrays me, sneaks behind my back, lies, whatever, I get deeply triggered still. There's gonna be a day where I'm not but I'm Mm -hmm. doing my work to make sure that I don't pop off on my daughter out here. Okay. So,
0: yeah, I mean, people, it's beautiful, beautiful. It is beautiful. Like the story that you lived and the story that she like walked out with you because of that. And because of God, like she gets a whole different story. She gets to live out a whole different life with God. Um, So tell me about what you and Sam are doing now with your church. Woo child. It's crazy. So what's beautiful is that we
1: are doing church very unconventional, you know, typically mm-hmm. when you see two people like us who both have a, a calling and a gift of communication, of preaching, teaching, of leading and all the things in, within the church space, um, we do it together. It's like co-pastorship. Yeah. And at first we started off, we were like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. It makes sense. And then the Lord was like, nope, that's not for y'all. What is for y'all Is for Sam to lead this church and Tony, you get to come and use my unique gifting of teaching to come in so I'm kind of like a teaching pastor of the church, which I love, I get to come in once about every four to six weeks, and I get to preach like I get to do the thing that I'm called to do and, you know, you know, there are so many women that don't get to do that that don't have the opportunity have, uh, you know, these righteous convictions to not do it. And I I get to do that for our church. And so I get to use my voice. Sam has this like apostolic gift on him where he is just so great at planting people that have a heart to pastor and shepherd. And so we have this model where Sam's kind of overseeing our campus pastors. And it's just Awesome! Like his gifting and the way that he flows is just so in that. So we have Story Church Atlanta. There's Story Church Flint, Michigan. There's a beautiful couple there in Flint, Michigan. Over that, I know people don't even know because it's beautiful. It's more about them and their local community than it is about them, you know. And so there's also going to be Story Church Athens coming up. We just did a South Soft launch Athens, Georgia. Another part of Georgia. It's crazy. It's it's so cool to cheer my husband on. In this thing that he's really uniquely called to do. And it's really awesome that he's cheering me on as I go and travel the country and the world at times and preach the gospel and stand in the trenches with women through our healing community groups. And it's just crazy. Like, it's just awesome and crazy and it's different. And people are like, are y'all sure? And it's like, yeah, this is the way that God's leading us. And it doesn't God's have to it. as defined. And it's not, you know, I barely know the poor staff members names. I don't know a lot, many of the volunteers, but I get to come in and flow in the ways that I do. And it's so healthy and so good for our marriage.
0: Yeah. The way, I mean, the way that you guys like champion each other is really beautiful. And it's, it's something that really isn't common because of just the way the world we live in and what people. Yeah. You got to sit on the
1: front row with your husband. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I love that. If that's what you're called to do, but if that's
0: what you're called to do, that's what yep. you're called to
1: do, but don't be out here living like the world and you are missing out on your purpose.
0: Okay. Shoot. That's right. That's right. Look, we got to have you back on for another talk about that I'm because
1: I'm yeah, we course. could
0: just, we could just go on and on. Um, no, that's powerful. And I love the name of your church. I was like talking about, uh, you guys to my husband and he was like, Oh, what's their church's name? And I was like, story story church. Like it's my favorite church name ever I mean ever. and our motto is when your story
1: connects to God's story it leads to to a greater story and it's just uh, like well, duh
0: well duh that's it that's it that is just that's the gospel that is beautiful Thanks. okay so the last thing I always ask first of all I say this with like a lot of guests but I mean it like I just want to talk to you for another like two hours um Soon. But you know yeah. we got these we got these babies we these have to take care of them. Us. We got these. I know it. Them. I know you it. Know. Um. But the last question I love to ask is when you look back over your story, what mm. makes more sense mm. now? Something that happened back then. Um. Yeah. Now that you know how it kind of all played out. Oh gosh. Um. When I'm meeting with women in our like
1: healing community groups, um. And there's, you know, 50 of them, a hundred, whatever it is. And we have these moments where they share really hard parts of their stories. And there's a woman that gets on and she's like, I'm a single mom and I'm really struggling with this. And my husband left me. And, well, we have another woman that's like, I'm just in the wallows, the valleys of divorce right now. And it's so hard and infidelity. And then we get another woman that's like, I'm just battling with body image. And I really just, you know, have this eating disorder. And then we get another woman who's like, the church has just completely hurt me. I don't want to go back. I sit there and I'm like, man, I have something to say to every single one of those women. Mm -hmm. There was a moment where I was so, I wasn't mad at God, but I was just so hurt. I said, Lord, all this got to be a part of my story. Mm -hmm. All this Sexual trauma, divorce, being a single mom, being church hurt. I mean, God, like, I just, are you sure I can even handle all this? Like, why is this all a part of my story? And now I go into a room full of women, and about 80% of them I can relate to. And Hmm. they can relate to me. And they can actually tangibly see how God brought me through it and how he can do the same for them. And I, I just wouldn't have it any other way. I would, I would, I know that I would never be crushed because God revives those that feel like they're crushed in spirit and he's close to those. And so that means he's reviving us, but I'd be willing to be crushed to get to do what I do now. I would, I would do it again. I would hurt again. I would not be able to sleep again. I would struggle again. I would be at the brink of starvation again. I would do it again because I get to literally be this like, beacon, like this light for women that's like, okay, I can hold on a little longer Mm -hmm. because if God did it for her, he surely will do it for me. She is no more special. She has no more access than I do. And that just, I don't know. I it it makes me the most grateful. It it makes me wake up in the morning. It just does. Yeah. Oh my
0: goodness. Mm, mm. That is the, one of the most beautiful answers to that question I've ever heard. So, <laughs> it really is getting started. You go. There's gonna be some other ones, okay? Well, it's still like really truly so powerful, and it it really does drive home for anyone for every story that. Yeah. You will, there will come a day, and I believe you will see it this side of heaven, where you sit and you talk to someone, whether it's 10 yeah. women, 10,000 women, or one woman, and you're like, yep. that's why I went through that. That's, why, that's why. And you really will feel like exactly how Tony just described. You will say, I would do it all again for her, um, for her to know that God loves her. Oh, that's good. I'm going to post about that.
1: That was good, Lord. That was good. You,
0: you absolutely I got to tell somebody about that, Lord. You got to tell. Yep. Yeah. You got to tell everybody about your story because it's good and it's God. And oh, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for you. Tell the people where to find you, where to get your stuff. Tell them everything. Okay. Yeah. So all the things are Tony J. Collier- on everything
1: t-o-n-i-j-c-o-l-l-i-e-r on insta easy website podcast all the things youtube if you search my name i should pop up you may get i don't know club pick from uh maybe about 10 years ago but <laughs> then right alongside it you will get me you know standing in the need of prayer and so yeah just go and check out all the things would love for you to get the book so you can have a roadmap to healing if you're yes. on this that-
0: and yeah and that's it oh thanks for being here i adore you love you so much love all you're doing
1: same same i can't wait to
0: see that second cutie baby neither i know we got it look we're not that far apart we got to just get these little babies together alone play i am into that because sammy has no friends okay sorry guys all right well hey chapel can chapel would love to be sammy's friend chapel he shoves his friendship upon everyone he meets so So the one time Sammy was around someone,
1: he was like kissing them. And I was like, this is getting a little awkward here. But this is our moment. Well, him
0: and Chapel will Bob then. So yes, we'll make it happen.
1: Yay. Thanks for
0: having me on. Okay. Thanks. I love you. Okay. Hey, thanks for stopping by and sitting a while on the comeback couch with me. You know, I'd love to hear from you questions, feedback, and even requests. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at Caitlin Chapel Rogers. And hey, don't be shy. Share the show with a friend, post it on your social media and tag me and send me your comeback stories. You never know when they might make it on the show.